You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Back after a nice weekend off, which was all of one day, which after yesterday, Bruce, the evening you and I had yesterday, wasn't really like a day off, was it? Wasn't really like mm, that at all. No. So, all right. Uh, we'll start today with, how are you doing today, Bruce? Healthy alive. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Would expect nothing less. Would expect nothing less. And we have a very special guest joining us again today, uh, and we're happy to have him back. Mike, how you doing? It's good to see you again. Thanks. I am doing great. Thank you for having me. So, uh, I was talking to you a couple of days ago. You were listening to our, um, was it Friday? Yeah, Friday. It was our Friday podcast on public schooling. And mm-hmm. you had said that, uh, you know, you had some things on that one, uh, things that were going on up around your neck of the woods. Uh, and so I thought, all right, well, we'll just have you on on Sunday. We were thinking about bringing you in on the exclusive, but you said you had prior plans, so you weren't able to make it. But uh, we're glad to have you here on Monday's podcast. You had some things you wanted to weigh in on that. So, I mean, let's let's continue on. Let's kind of pick up where we left off. Let's talk about the school system. Uh, let's talk about what's going on with the schools. Now, are the schools there doing the same as what we were discussing on Friday, which we had another uh, gentleman on with us, longtime friend of mine, uh, who's been on off and on with us over the years from Boston. And uh, he was talking about basically you know, unions and the way that the unions are involved with, you know, teachers unions and they're like, is it the leaderships that that are the ones holding it up or is it the teachers? And some in some parts of the country are saying, well, I mean, it's the it's the teachers telling the leaders of the teachers union that they're not going back. And then other places, it's the leaders telling the teachers that they shouldn't go back. So what's going on where you're at? Well, you don't hear a whole lot up front, but nobody's going back to work anytime soon. The the kids are going twice a week. And they're offsetting the the week with a Wednesday so they can clean. So the the teachers are there most of the time already. I don't know what the holdup is to get them back in full time. It hasn't been shown on the news, and it's pretty tough to to really try to figure it out. I just know that they haven't budged on it, and it's just it's a damper for everybody. In Massachusetts, uh, our next door neighbor, uh, there's been a ton of fighting on how this is all going to portray out. It's just like I was saying earlier. I have families and friends that are working in the school district right now or that are a collaborative rather than a public school. And for kids that are on the spectrum or have some type of learning behavioral problem or just problems in general. And they have been open full time because when this COVID broke out last year, uh, it was horrendous for these kids uh, being at home. It just could they couldn't be handled. So you have these private schools open running full time. You have our public school system. That's just it's just a nightmare. You know, I think it's one of the things that uh, I think it's one of the things Tavish brought up on uh, on Friday with us was, you know, special needs kids. Uh, and that's that seems to be the one thing that's not, that no one's really paying attention to here. And it's that particular group of students that need the attention that you're talking about, that yeah. need the structure. They need that repetitive, you know, lifestyle and, and they haven't had it. Uh, also, I mean, to to the bigger point of not just necessarily the, the kids with special needs, but the parents 
the ones that are having to deal with homeschooling their kids or virtual learning or whatever in the hell it is these, these school districts are doing, that aspect too, I mean, that changes everything and it changed overnight. So it's like all of a sudden it just goes from, uh, well, you know, your uh, your father and I, if the, you know, if you have a traditional family household, your father and I are, we have to go to work every day. We have to go to the office every day, but all that's been shut down. So everything's been closed. And then now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're going to be closed. You're not going to be allowed to go to work or we're going to take everything away from you in general, but you're still going to have to do virtual learning for your kids. But the virtual learning that we're going to give your kids in some places in the, around the country, you're not allowed to take part in it. You're not allowed to watch. You're not allowed to see what your kids are learning. That's been a big thing uh, in places like the state of Washington and things like that, where you're not allowed. If you're a parent, you're not allowed to watch. You're not allowed to listen. You're, you're not allowed to question what your kid is being taught on their virtual learning schools. There's a multitude of problems here, and there's a multitude of issues that we can address. We can hit this from several different angles, and I'm not sure quite which way you want to go with it. I guess we could talk about it from a personal experience standpoint. The people that you know personally that are involved in the school system, what are they saying? Do they want to go back? They Well, specifically the, the ones that I know, most of them work with, are in a behavioral specialist school, so they are back. But these kids are like next to Juvie Hall. That's That's the troublesome bunch of kids. And thankfully, they've been back in it at least four days out of the week. It's the public schools. And for me personally, it's uh, running a business and remote learning two days a week. But it's, you know, it's been difficult for everybody. You know, the teachers, the school districts around here have really done well, at least with children, uh, elementary kids. Uh, we're getting free lunches. So they've done what they could. And the teachers have really done the best that they, I mean, I couldn't Pull together what they have to do this remote learning and what they've had to do and how they had to do it. So hats off to them for doing it. It's just been stressful for everybody, including the kids. I mean, I, I the kids, it's the worst. The interaction, like they need that uh, so much. And it's just, we're seeing it all over. It's just really tearing them apart. Yeah. And we've actually had a, you know, we've gone over a lot of those statistics and a lot of those, um, uh, a lot of that analysis that, uh, that we've done here for the breakdown of basically the social structure of kids, them being out of their uh, their environments, their traditional environments, what that's doing. The state of Nevada, Bruce actually had to correct me on this point last week, the state of Nevada, they were forced to reopen their schools because the child suicide rate and the youth suicide rate was off the charts, right? These kids were, were taking their own lives at, at exorbitant amounts. And so the state finally said, you know what, pandemic or what, we're, we're opening these schools. And this is a problem we're seeing everywhere else, albeit it might not be as high in some other areas around the country. But I think it also goes to other things as well. When I say that, I'm talking about areas like New York, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, right, all the boroughs, those places. If you look at the kids that are out of school, then they fall into the category of the type you were talking about. They were one step away from juvenile hall. These are the ones that you see the CCTV footage of they're out there beating people up in the streets, robbing them. We went over something here last week, a group of juveniles, a, a whole a whole pack of these kids that should have been in school were out there beating and robbing someone and left him bleeding and fighting for his life there in the streets. This type of stuff, it's got to stop. And I know where the stopping point is. It never should have gotten to this point to begin with. These schools never should have closed. There was never any scientific data to support any of that. Uh, and of course, as you called him, uh, Fauci the slouch. <laughs> Fauci was out last week. He was touting a report that was put out by the White House, 200-page report saying that uh, there was nothing that showed that we needed to vaccinate the students or the teachers. We could start to reopen the schools safely, and it was fine. The director of the CDC 
came out and corroborated that, said the same exact thing. A couple hours later, Fauci's out making a statement saying, well, we're going to have to vaccinate all the kids and all the teachers before we can even think about reopening the schools. You can't put bank into what some scumbag like that has to say because he's flip flopping all the time and he's all he's doing is confusing people and jamming everything up. And as I said on Friday, quite frankly, he's responsible for this entire mess that we're in to begin with. So you, yeah, you as as someone who's personally dealing with these issues that I'm sitting here speaking on, in your humble opinion, where does this end? You talk to other people that are dealing with this, not just yourself, but you're talking to other people that are dealing with the same exact thing that you're dealing with a lot more than I am. So in your humble opinion, where does this end? People have had enough. I mean, so it's it's been very quiet over here. I am glad that I'm so grateful that I do not live on the West Coast. I would have moved up I'm Washington, Oregon, any of those states, California, New York. I mean, there's been a big, huge exodus. That's all you see is New Yorkers, Californians moving to this state and buying up property. And it continues. And uh, yeah, so it's been quiet. And with that being said, it's when the people get pushed enough. I mean, the stuff that you see on the news or that you read about that's happening out on the West Coast, I just couldn't imagine that happening here. And uh, I don't know, maybe we're just fortunate enough to have a lot of common sense uh, folks that live around here. That we haven't resorted to that type of that you see out there with these antics from cancel culture and everything else where they just want to change our history, tear down our statues and be PC about everything. Everything, you know, it's that whataboutism. You know, they, they change the topic. You know, you nail them on something and, and address it. It's a sham. Like this AOC, like what the hell, man? These people and these people are in office. Are you kidding me? Like how how does this happen? It, it, it's like a circus. You watch it on TV, you watch it unfold, and and I don't understand, and I'm with you. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't know where it's going to end because I just laugh when I turn on Channel 7 News. It, it's a it's a comedy show. It's just foolishness. And, yeah, Fouch the slouch. Yeah, he is responsible. He is absolutely responsible. And he has flip-flopped all the way through this uh, on every issue because he's had no factual science to defend mask wearing, to say that this virus operates this way or this way. It's been BS all the way through, and we're seeing it play out right now. If we can get more people to speak up, uh, I watched a really good video on two women that were uh, used to work for OSHA and are, have all kinds of degrees, and they one's a consultant, and they talk about the design and the, and the mask and what it can do and what it can't do, and they go 33-minute video. I saw it on Rumble. I'd have to get you the link, but it, it's... It's a great video. And of course, they're just hammering that down. You, you got to dig for it just to find it. But it, it's starting to it's starting to break out. People like her, the two women scientists, they're like, yeah, we're, I mean, I've been fitted for a mask. So what I have in my industry, you have to be fitted. So you have to go for a stress test and, a re- and make sure that you can wear a respirator, that your heart will take it, your lungs will take it. And then they actually fit you with it. You can't wear a beard <laughs> or any type of facial hair and you get fitted for that mask. And that is a professional half face or full face mask that you're going to be wearing and and not these little N95s. Uh, they go on to explain in great detail what it does and what it can't do. And these are the people that need to speak out. Me, others like us need to say, yeah, it's, it's bullshit. Uh, it's been from the beginning. So here we are. And it's a circus. You have people like AOC, like what is wrong with that? Woman? She's insane, literally insane. 
You know, you, you bring up an interesting point there. The thing that I actually, and I've, I've been asking myself this over the years. I, I've been asking every, I mean, ever since we started doing this, you know, it's it's not that that I sit up here or Bruce sits up here or, or GP or Marty or any of the rest of us. It's not that we sit up here on some high horse or some soapbox or whatever analogy you want to use. It's the point that you just made right there. Why are we the only ones doing it? I mean, I don't want to sit here and do this. I've got other things I can do. I've got plenty of other things I can do. I don't want to sit here and do this, but who else is doing it? Granted, there are a lot of people that are getting into podcasting these days, but I listen to a lot of these podcasts and I'm talking, and I said this last week, I made this point last week, I'm talking people with millions of followers, millions. They're not even speaking up on the things that need to be spoken up on, like the real topics as it, okay, now granted, they've got sponsors and they've got contracts and, and all of that stuff, but if that's the price that you have to pay to keep your mouth shut about things that are affecting every single person's life, then that price is just too damn high. I, I'm sorry. I would rather do this for nothing than, you know, and stand up for what I believe in as opposed to get paid all kinds of money and not be allowed to, to keep people informed and to raise that awareness and raise that bar and to get people. And I'm not talking about some kind of violence here. I'm talking about peaceful resistance to all this, intellectual conversations, actual debates, because if you don't have that discourse and that dialogue within society, like we're sitting here doing right now and all of our listeners are listening to, then you end up with the AOCs in Congress like that. And you end up with yeah. the circus shows on TV that you're talking about. So you asked me like, the, I mean, the morale here, I would say, is like COVID exhaustion for the people that believe that this is crap, know that it's crap. I, I know a lot of small business owners, and they're just, I would say, COVID exhausted, where they're just like running their small business. They're, they're spent about hearing about it. Like they just want it to be done and go away. And these, these people, I think that it hasn't been pushed enough, you know, for them to see or been really affected or impacted by it enough for them to really start speaking out. They're just wiped out by it. They're just like, I'm friggin' done. And so, and I can tell those people because I'll be sitting down having dinner at a bar and I'll, I'll talk to one of them. Um, and, you know, I might start ranting about something. You can just see they're just spent about it. You know, it's just exhausted. Yeah, like all of us are. So, but we got to keep the conversation going. That's why I came on to talk about it. And I continue to talk about it um, until they try to tell us to stop, which I already are. I tell us to stop. So, yeah, um, but yeah, we keep the conversation going. That's it. And that's what I tell other people that are like-minded. I said, Hey, keep the conversation going. Just don't let them, do not let them take that from us. Bruce, you want to jump in there? I just, I, I, I want to reiterate what you're saying there, Mike, is it, people, we, we need to stay connected, if you will, right? The small businesses, it's just the average person, you know, the, Find those people out there that are like-minded like you are. Now, there is a place for having civil discourse, yes, but you need to have that support structure as well. And we need to look out for each other, you know, and try to try to help one another through this because clearly the government's not doing it. They never were going to anyway. Uh, so uh, it's good to good to have that that support group, if you will. And it's not just for material stuff, you know, if somebody needs help, like with food or, or, you know, what have you. It's also about just having that moral support, knowing that someone's got your back, that that does help out a lot. So I had a, I, a little story, I had a friend, and you're right, it's, I don't know, if, I tell you guys about the little, the skiing incident up here, uh, a friend of mine snowboarding, um, his mask kept on falling down. The third time they told him, oh, okay. they kicked him out. Oh. Hold on a second. Granted, I'm from Ohio, right? I'm a little bit for I'm from a little bit further south, but we would still get I mean, it's it's still really cold there and we would get horrible, horrible winters. But I would ride 
quad bikes, you know, four wheelers, whatever you want to call them, and snowmobiles in this time of year, right? So it was always, if you didn't have uh, like a net gator on that you could pull up, you know, and I mean a thick one. You, I mean, we would go to Cabela's and buy the ones that are specifically rated to keep. Because if you're not wearing those things, then you're going to get wind burned and you're going to be hating yourself. So, okay, that I can understand. But what you're telling me is he wasn't wearing this to protect from being wind burned. They actually had him on the slopes wearing a mask. Yeah, everybody had to wear a mask. Yes. He, 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 yeah, uh, outside. <laughs> on the slopes and you know he's pretty he can be pretty defiant and uh but he handled it well and they left they kicked him off the slopes yeah he's pretty upset by it It, it, it's just it's just asinine like are you kidding me you're outside people i don't get it you see the people driving i think i was telling you guys earlier people driving with their mask on you know the heat's cranked up because it's freezing out here i'm just waiting for one of them to pass out at the wheel it's like you knucklehead by yourself (laughs) really I, I cannot, it's I can't comical. get over that. I can't get it's over comical. that. It's comical. Yeah, the people wearing the, the masks alone in their car, I just, I, I cannot wow. get over that. But I will say, I will say, at least where I'm at, I'm seeing less and less people doing it. And yeah. the same thing with, with people out on the streets. It's almost like a roll of the dice. I'll go out one day and I will see almost no, I, I, I was saying last week, I went out, it wasn't even really that nice of a day, but I must have seen close to 2,000 people and I saw maybe three people wearing masks. That was it, three. And those were only people that were walking into businesses that had them, you know, because you, you have to, they won't let you in the store. They got security people standing at the door. They won't let you in the store. You can't buy a, a loaf of bread if you don't have one. And so the, I know it's terrible, but um, that's uh, that's the way that it is. But I saw maybe three people wearing them, but you go out <laughs> the next day. It's like you see you see everybody but three people wearing a mask. It's like, what, what's going on here? You know, so I mean, it's like... Yeah, they they step away from the uh, they, they step away from the the wheel of science that they spin on mainstream media and the mainstream yeah. media here, man, it is just it's pathetic. It's the same in the U.S. It's a clown show. It's a clown show, and it's nothing but all all they're doing is they are literally it's it's really it's in my humble opinion, and you can't really by law by decree you can't classify it as this, but in my humble opinion, it's a crime against humanity what they're doing, scaring the hell out of people like this. It's not right. Yes. It's it's not right. You know, it's fear mongering. And for somebody like me, I, I can smell it a mile away. I got my, my ass kicked my whole life, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So I'm surprised I, I, because you're not a small guy. You are not a small yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, I am. But anyways, they just I can smell it a mile away. And, and it just happened to be in my industry. Because like I said earlier, I think I told you guys, I if it wasn't, I just I might be still sitting in the matrix. And I'm glad that I'm not. And I, and I was able to see through this crap <laughs> right from the beginning. Thank the good Lord. You know, we were watching this stuff. I mean, we were tracking this from from day one when we st- in China, when we were we were seeing all this stuff. And we thought, OK, all right, there's something about this. It's just OK, they're, they're building this up. They're cooking this up. You know, the fear of it. They're building it up. But then as it got to the point where we could see where the Chinese were manipulating the data so you could see them where it was just tracking, it was like two point two percent. 2.2%, 2.2%. Like each day they were saying, and it's like, wait a minute, you, you got all these videos that are coming out of all these people in all these hospitals and you got bodies stacked up and you got vans full of like corpses and everything. And you're saying that it's only 2.2%. So it, like every day, like that's the same, you know, like that's the track. And then you're seeing other countries where the death rate is just like, I mean, shooting through the roof. But China is is only like China's only lost like 3000 people from all this stuff. No, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So in the initial stages, we couldn't trust what the Chinese Communist Party was saying. We couldn't trust it. Take the precautions we need to take 
to be on the safe side. But then when the government said 14 days to flatten the curve, all right, well, that's kind of our good-minded goodwill towards another person, right? That's our natural instinct. Well, okay, we've got a lot of elderly people in our societies. We've got family members. We've got neighbors. We've got you know people we care about. We don't want to see them being hurt or anything. Okay, so the government asked their populations, whatever country you come from, because I know we're listened to in most Western nations. Thank you all very much. In the beginning, the governments asked us for help. But see, now it's turned into something completely different, hasn't it? We're over a year into 14 days for flattening the curve. So once they figured out in the beginning that, hey, we can get these people to do just about anything we want. So let's ratchet up the media. And we've got this little problem with, oh, I don't know, we've got an insolvent market and the banks are empty and we don't really have any pension funds that we can start paying out to people in the coming years. And boy, we've really screwed this mortgage market up since 2008. So what are we going to do? So the central banks, as far as I'm concerned, who are a big driving force behind all this, that's where these people come in, is they need to figure out a way to stop inflation, right? See, when banks get to the point where they're issuing currency like this and they expand their balance sheets, but they can't control the money supply in society, then the market collapses and hyperinflation kicks in. Then you're using wheelbarrows to buy loaves of bread, okay? So here's here's what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So here's what they're doing is they are the driving force behind keeping these markets closed. In the initial stages, we were after the, the 14 days and we started to open back up and we started to get back to normal, the central banks started coming out making statements and we couldn't figure out why. They were coming out saying, well, we need to shut everything down for six weeks hard. I mean, complete shutdown, shut everything down. Okay, well, you're a central bank. What the hell do you know about public health. That doesn't make any sense. Then you had a central bank head, a a Federal Reserve chairman in the US, one of many that they have, come out, uh, Mr. James Bullard, anybody can go and look the clip up. And he says, well, the key here is we need a whole bunch of testing. We need a lot of testing. Testing increased, didn't it? More testing means more cases, especially if you had the PCR tests set to as high as what you need them to be set at. And then what does he say? Then what does he say? Well, if we can do that and we can give everybody a little badge, a way to ID everybody that they've been tested or they've been vaccinated, well, that, that would be great, wouldn't it? Well, here we are, vaccine passports. Well, now see, if they can use those methods that were employed, that they were speaking on publicly in the first few days that everybody seems to have forgotten, if they can use those methods to regulate and control the markets around the world, then you can channel where that money goes in the market, can't you? You can channel it through the major corporations, Amazon, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and all the rest of them, the essential companies, right? Walmart, Target, the, these companies, Asda, Tesco in, in the UK, you can run it through these places and you keep everyone else shut down. Then you can expand your balance sheets through universal basic incomes, right? Which you're going to start hearing about in the coming days because stimulus, right? All this money. We've thrown 12 trillion at this problem in the US and another two on the way, okay? So they're expanding their balance sheets, the Federal Reserve Bank and the central banks in general are expanding their balance sheets, but they're not allowing the money supply to get out of control. They're channeling the money. They're keeping the dollar low to buy up the assets. That way, because if the, if the hyperinflation comes, if the, if the markets are open, if the, if the economies are open, then that doesn't allow them to keep the money supply in check and the money's going everywhere. And then the whole thing's going to implode and they're going to go down with it too. So it's in their interest to keep everything shut down. I haven't been following the big banks like you guys have. That's why I listen to you guys is to hear this, that exact type of information. But when 3% of the population owns 80% of the money, that's, that's, that's a problem. That is a huge problem. 
And we have uh, we we're talking about those companies getting these little benefits, if you will, during the pandemic by shutting down all the mom and pop shops, you know, all the small businesses and everybody's channeling into those big businesses. You have companies like Coca-Cola that comes out and says, law firms that do business with us, if you don't have a equitable uh, business practice in hiring. So basically what they're saying, when, when you get into what they're saying, they're saying that they need something like 30% of your employees to be black, another 40% to be uh, some person of color or what have you. And when you get through all the lists that they want, whites are a very small portion of it. And what they're saying is, if you, your law firm, if you don't have the right color then, you know, color makeup, we're not going to do business with you. And they're also saying, um, you know, for like um, uh, distribution companies, you know, all the all the chains are affected by this policy that they're they're implementing. And if you don't have if you don't do what they say, as far as, you know, gender or color or any of that, then they're going to stop doing doing business with you. So now you have these big companies that are too big to fail, if you will, telling the other companies that are doing business with them that are staying afloat because of those big companies, you have to follow our equitable, equitable laws, which fits into the, the whole um, Great Reset and all their ideas that they're trying to do. It, it's not, uh, it doesn't make me happy, shall we say. I, I get really, uh, Bruce, you know, you and I sit here and we, we dig through this crap every day. But when I see these companies making those statements like that and, and taking those stances, you know, I've hired people, I've fired people. Mike, you've hired people, you fired people. I've always, always hired someone based on merit. I've always done that. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what gender they are. I don't care what their sexual preference is, their lifestyles. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care if they're a native English speaker, a Japanese or whatever. Can you do that job that I hire you to do? It's that simple. Can you specifically perform these tasks and keep up with company standards? That's all. When you are are a company, a corporation, a financial institution or whatever, and you enter the arena of the identity politics game and you say, well, we're going to start diversifying all this stuff. Well, then what does that do? I mean, especially if you're a company that manufactures a product or a service, you want to sell or make the best product that you can. Now, you do that based on the quality of people that you employ. Now, if you're doing that based on identity rather than merit, well, then that's going to reduce the quality of your product, isn't it? No matter what it is. Yeah, it has the potential to. Absolutely. I I know I have a friend that works at TD Bank. They're closing 82 branches, 82 buildings from up in Maine all the way down to Florida because they're all going remote. And I asked him, I said, so are you concerned about your job? He's been there 19 years as a trainer. And you got to imagine that trainers were traveling all over the place to you know, train their, their area. And now it's all remote. So there's going to be, you know, he's like, well, they're going to fold them into HR. And I'm like, dude, they can't fold them into other places because if they're going to make a cut, then why would they need more HR to take care of less people? It's just common sense here. There's going to be a huge cut uh, in 82 buildings, <laughs> you know, gone. So, uh, and, and at, and there at TD bank, you cannot say all lives matter or you will be reprimanded that, I mean, and they have they just, it's all that cancel culture crap. And here, I mean, you can just go to, like you say it all the time, to the World Economic Forum. They're not trying to hide this. They're talking right here. I just looked it up. The, the changes we have already seen in the response to COVID-19 proves that a reset of our economic and social foundations is possible. Are you? They're just telling you right here, we are going to change. Yeah, it's, 
People need to wake up. I'm stupid. The frustrating part about it is, and I, I get what you're saying, Mike, the frustrating part about it is, is the response that I get specifically. I mean, like I said, we're in this stuff every day. And when I try to bring this up to somebody or whatever they, because people are always, well, I don't know how, you know, what's going on. And they're, they're watching the TV or they're watching their social media or whatever. And I said, have you ever thought that it's probably none of what you're being told? And they just kind of look at me and say, what do you mean? And then I offer everything that I sit here and that we talk about. And they say, what are you, some kind of conspiracy theorist? That's what I get. That's what I get. It's so frustrating. And we're not the only ones saying it, right? We're not the only ones saying it. I mean, there's other there's prominent people out there saying it, too. But these are the voices that they're trying to go through and they're trying to systematically silence. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's literally it's it's like it's like ice skating uphill. The uh, trying to silence uh, to to kind of put a little more point on that. Tucker Carlson revealed what was it here a couple days ago on one of his shows that uh, Bank of America has been working with the FBI and basically the FBI came in and said we want records on anybody that looks like they're conservative. So they went through and found. Basically, they went through all the records and everything to see if anybody was, quote unquote, a conservative, you know, all your past statements, all that kind of stuff. Illegally, might I add, there was no warrant. And the bank, it it violates law on top of that and bank policy. But they went ahead and looked into this and um, they wrongfully accused a guy in the end. And this is going to be the going trend coming, you know, going forward. I mean, they've done this with Verizon. They've done this with Internet companies as well. To where they just said uh, they they had one warrant that covered hundreds of thousands of people, and it said Mr. and Mrs. Verizon, and they were able to just go in and and look at anybody's uh, you know tap anybody's phone. That doesn't work. That's not how it's supposed to work when you get a warrant, right? So if they're going to do this for you know your your digital media, if they're going to do this for your banking, um, they're trying to target anybody that has a dissenting voice, any means that they can to silence them, and if they track you down using banking. Who's to say, even if the government's not involved, who's to say that the bank won't come in and say, well, look, if you're racist or you you have any, if you believe there was any voter fraud that went on or you have issues with the uh, uh, immigration or, or people coming across the border illegally, or if you have any of these issues, we're not going to do business with you anymore. In fact, we're going to close your account. W- what happens if all the major banks do that? W- what are you going to do then? I mean, local banks will still do business with you, fortunately, but those are uh, they're trying to put those out of business, too, and bring them all under one banking system like or, or a, a conglomerate of big ones that are basically working together with the government. This is one of the biggest concerns that I had years ago. And I said when I would tell people about what was going on with these corporations and I said, you know, these these companies that are getting bigger and bigger, I said, this is probably not a good thing. And I need to be careful about what I say here. When you get behind the curtain of select corporations, okay, that's all I'm going to say. When you get behind the curtain and you start to see what these companies are about, let me put it this way. This agenda of whether it's identity politics or uh, social justice or, or whatever you want to call it, this has been going on for a long time. And the same thing with what you're seeing with, like, for example, social distancing, I can tell you for an absolute fact Social distancing is not what they're, <laughs> that's not what it's about. They're training you to get ready for biometric identification. That's what social distancing is all about. And believe me, that was developed by a private corporation. That wasn't developed by 
uh, the government or something like that. Now, the government will employ that technology through use of a private corporation, but that technology was tested and developed by a private company. I will tell you that there is another company within the United States, I will not say which one, but there is another company within the United States that has the most advanced forensics crime lab in the world. Now, that is not run by a government entity. That is not run by a law enforcement agency. It is run by a private corporation. I remember saying more than a decade ago, these companies, I said, you're going to have to legally, lawfully, whatever, congressionally, however you want to put it, we're going to have to start doing something about these, these corporations and these companies. And the pushback I got from a lot of people was, and, and which I've said here several times, was, well, what are you, some kind of a dictator? What are you, what are you some kind of a, a communist? What are you, some kind of a fascist? And the response I always gave was, what are you going to do when these companies take over everything? And I mean everything. What are you going to do when there are no small businesses left? What are you going to do when you are forced to do business with them? Same thing with the banks. You know, the merger of, of the banks, the banking system and the consolidation of the banking system in 2008. That never should have happened. Never. Those banks should have gone under. Bank of America included. They merged with Merrill Lynch and Deutsche Bank. That shouldn't have happened. Those are toxic institutions. They should have all gone under. To this day, Deutsche Bank has $100 trillion in exposure on its books. Do you know what's going to happen to the world economy if that thing goes? These are toxic zombie institutions that are all being propped up by the fiat system that's run by the Federal Reserve, the World Bank, the IMF, and the European Central Bank. They've all got to go. Everything's got to go. So I think... If you break those organizations, which that's going to be a tough enough battle in and of itself, but if you break those organizations, then the corporations, once they don't have this fiat money that they're leveraging out with, that'll, I mean, you'll start to see them fall in line. They're only acting the way they're acting now because they think that they're going to have a seat at the table on the other side of this thing. They think that because they're in big with the uh, uh, the Davos group, that, oh, they're going to land okay, uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, they're going to cut you out, too. So, yeah, you're going to get your little slice of pie here in the beginning and everything's going to be good for you and you're going to muscle the little guy out and all that's going to be nice and good. Yeah, you're going to get your record profits and your bonuses and all that stuff, but then they're going to come for you. Same thing with all of the um, uh, the tech companies. They're going to shut all those people out, too. Antifa, BLM, all the people they got out there stirring them up at the grassroots, they're going to flush all those people, too. Same thing with all the politicians, the governments, national governments, whatever. They're going to throw those people to the wolves. All this stuff's going to come down. Whichever way it goes, it doesn't matter. And the other thing that I that I argue with this, and Bruce, you and I were talking about this offline last week. The other thing about this is, let's take the World Economic Forum, okay? Let, let's look at that, okay? There, here's, a, here's a group of of nobodies, common thieves, right? That's all they are. They're not builders. They're not developers. They're not creators. They're, they're not small business people. None of them. They're common thieves. That's all they are. They know how to steal from people. That's all they do. In, in reality, that's all they do. If they have everything shut down through the use of corporation, leveraging corporations that they own, leveraging out your rights through them, well, then that's not building, is it? That's stealing from you and them taking it from you. That's what it is. So if you have this group, okay, the Davos group, all right, World Economic Forum, whatever, okay, you have that group, okay, who are they allied with? The Chinese Communist Party, right? They're allied with them, with the use of our major corporations, our big industry, to have all the jobs sent over to China so they can leverage us out on the world stage economically, correct? All right, so they're allied with them. You can argue that you've got ISIS in there, Al-Qaeda, Daesh, what, whatever, you know, the, these groups, these radical extremist groups, okay, they're involved in that as well. You've got BLM, you've got Antifa, these radical extremist groups. You put all these groups together, what do you have? You have a massive movement against 
Western civilization. That's their common enemy. But here's the thing. Every single one of those groups are being promised something, aren't they? They're being promised, oh, it's going to be a fair world. It's going to be an equal world and this and that. Well, if you look at each one of these groups individually, those groups don't believe in any of that stuff, do they? If you look at their charters, just on the surface, I mean, hell, look at Black Lives Matter. There's nothing about that that, that seems fair at all. Antifa, certainly. I mean, I, I think that kind of goes without saying. So all these groups are hooked up and working together against a common enemy. But yet the Chinese Communist Party, OK, the, <laughs> the Chinese Communist Party, you think the Chinese Communist Party is going to do a deal with a bunch of old Western elites, a bunch of old money, a bunch of has-beens down there in Switzerland. Oh, no, 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 no. They're going to cut those people out, too. See, that's the big mistake is they think that they're going to be, you know, somehow in partnership with a, a bunch of uh, you know, brutal killers, as far as I'm concerned, because look what they're doing. Look at the look at the concentration camps. They've got three million people in China in concentration camps. Where's the media on any of that? The weaker Muslims. You got over a million of those in concentration, a million weaker Muslims in concentration camps. You've got the weakers out there asking the Biden administration to at least acknowledge it, at least acknowledge that that's happening, the genocide, asking for at least to, to have the Chinese diplomats in the United States be held responsible for it in some way, shape or form or expel them something and there's nothing. I believe the Trump administration did before before Trump was out. I'm pretty sure they they labeled that as a genocide. The 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 uh, of, of the Uyghurs. What, what's going on there in China? I believe it was labeled a genocide or called yep. it a genocide at least. Yeah. But my my issue with that is is I mean that in and of itself. I mean that's bad enough. But how are you going to have a partnership with the Chinese Communist Party? And the Muslim world, it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You're talking about all these different factions, these major factions around the world that are unified against the West, but yet they hate each other the same way. So where do they think they're going to wind up in the end? They're going to end up going after each other in the end. These these people down in uh, down in Switzerland, all, all these governments that they've got blackmailed into doing their bidding, you can stay committed to that. But how long is that going to last? How long is that going to last? We can go around and around and around and look at all, look at this from all these different angles and stuff. But in the end, this is one giant mess. And in reality, we're right back to where we started. We're right back to where we started. You've got this group fighting that group and that group fighting that group that's fighting that group that's fighting this group. And we're all ignoring the bigger picture here, which is we need to come together and move past this. The point of advancing civilization to a certain point is to raise everybody up simultaneously. The West was a very powerful engine for world progress up until about the 1960s, 1970s. That's when it stopped. That's when it stopped. You had the hippie movement that was in the late 60s, right? Right after Kennedy was shot. God bless him. Yeah, I got a picture of Kennedy hanging on my wall. In my opinion, one of the two real presidents we had in the last 50 years, but um, or 70 years. The, the idea of, of sitting here and, and arguing amongst ourselves, and I'm looking at the bigger picture here. Bruce, you and I always talk about where our future is, right? Our future's off of this rock, not down here, sitting here fighting amongst ourselves. We've had enough of that. We've had enough of that. And these people that are sitting here, whether you're talking about the, the Chinese Communist Party, whether you're talking about the Davos group, whether you're talking about radical extremist groups, whatever, they're still stuck in the past, Okay, these people are not the future. They are telling everyone they're the future. Oh, we're the fourth industrial revolution. Oh, we're going to give you utopias. You are not the future. You are the past. And that's where they're stuck. Their mindset is stuck in the past. They're not thinking about what's down the road in anything other than control. 
It's control. It's control because it's control out of fear. That's all it is. They're fearful of people advancing further than them. How in the hell can you sit there and call yourself some kind of elite and keep everybody else down? That's not an elite. That's a frightened child is what that is. So we can sit here and we can argue about which way we want to go and this and that. And, you know, well, we need to figure out how we're going to get out of this. We need to figure out how we're going to get out of that. But in the end, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because we're getting stuck in these mazes, right? Corona, impeachment, right? That's going to be the next thing coming up this week again, right? <laughs> Illegal one at that. We're getting stuck in all of these things that they're throwing at us. And it's like we're, we're sitting here arguing and, and it's meant to be a tool of division to turn us all against each other. That's not what needs to happen. It's meant to throw everybody off to get everyone fighting with each other so we don't unify. That's what Keeping everything shut down. I mean, it plays a part in that too. Keeping keeping everything shut down, not allowing you to go and see other people. Keeping the bars closed, keeping the restaurants closed, keeping the hair salons closed because they don't want people unifying, coming together, talking about real things out of the networks that they don't control. Online, social media, right? Conversations on Zoom, whatever it is. They want to be able to control what you say, when you say it, and who you say it to. And they don't want anything outside of that. They want to make that illegal for you to step outside of those bubbles, if you will. So I guess I'll get down off my soapbox now. You guys can jump in there. I don't know. Uh, don't know what else to add to that. I mean, this is stuff we've been talking about for a while now. We didn't know about the Great Reset in the beginning, right? We knew about the social credit scoring and what that was going to bring. And uh, turns out that's more or less what the Great Reset is. <laughs> So. I mean, I've been I've been watching the World Economic Forum for a long time. They've been public. It's not like there's been some private group, but they've taken a more prominent role in recent years. And it's it's kind of it's emerged in the last six to eight months as as a leader. And I wasn't expecting that out of Schwab. I mean, I knew the people that were involved with the World Economic Forum. And when I started seeing Schwab, I thought, OK, all right, this is this is interesting because now it's like his group is, is stepping up. That doesn't make sense. I always thought that it was going to be the U.N. and their initiatives. That's what I thought it was going to be. But it seems as though his group has now taken the reins more or less. And they've they've stepped up and they've done this because I was always looking at it from the traditional sense. Call it being in uh, in the old fashioned because, I mean, that's what I learned was you had like the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds and, and those prominent banking families that we've known for for a very long time. They're the ones that have been involved in the United Nations, the creation of the United Nations, the creation of the financial institutions, the World Bank, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, which in turn, the foreign arms of those cartels, European Central Bank, Federal Reserve Bank in the US. So I'm looking at the world in those terms. And so I was eyeing up the United Nations and the World Banks and, and the financial institutions that way, and then using the governments as their puppets. I wasn't expecting something to come out of the World Economic Forum. I mean, I knew, as I said, I knew that was a group. I knew it was a public group. It was more like more or less like a public version of like uh, Bilderberg. Everybody's heard of the Bilderberg group. They kept it secret for a long time, but then they finally had to admit, yeah, it's real. But Rockefeller was one of the, uh, the well, the Rockefeller family was one of the people that were involved in that for the longest time. And so I thought, OK, as well as many other financial heads, uh, heads of uh, heads of state that would attend. And I thought, all right, here's a group. But then Davos, uh, the Davos group comes up. And as I said, that was more of a public Bilderberg. They were open about it, more or less. And corporation heads and, and heads of state could actually attend. But they didn't really take a leadership role. I, I didn't see that. I wasn't seeing that out of anyone. But I haven't seen a leadership role come out of the UN since Agenda 21. When Agenda 21 was put forth, 
and it didn't gain traction. It got, um, how do I say it? Got, um, it got slapped down more or less. People didn't have, you know, people couldn't get behind it. Climate change, right? The climate change agenda. Everybody was, yeah, I mean, exactly. The face you're making there, Mike, that's that. Yeah. Everybody's laughing at it. Now I will take the GP route here. And uh, I mean, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, it was all about recycling. He's giving me the evil eye now. When I was growing up, it was all about recycling, conservation, and and reusing what you had and disposing of what you had in a responsible manner to conserve and to protect the planet. So I will agree that I am a firm believer in the fact that we are toxifying our planet. However, however, I don't agree that we are the main driving force behind everything that we see in the world as far as climate-related disasters. I don't believe that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah how, how, how dare I? Yes. I mean, we, we have an expert that, that comes on every now and again whenever I start bashing that that says that. How dare you? So, I mean, you, you have to be very careful because you could really piss her off. But I don't buy into this climate stuff, uh, this man-made climate change stuff. I don't buy into that. I do believe in the fact that we are toxifying the planet 110%. Nobody, nobody, Myself included, and I'm pretty sure everybody here, nobody wants to breathe bad air. Nobody wants to drink dirty water. None of that stuff. Nobody wants to pollute and destroy nature. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to to go out there and wipe out entire ecosystems or or anything like that. But they take it to that level. And we knew that they were going to be making a pivot somewhere along the line, and they're starting to pivot now. COVID's falling apart. So now they need to pivot. Uh, They need to switch it up a little bit. So now you're hearing about, and we'll get into some of this tomorrow, but now you're hearing about, well, we're going to need to do some, we're going to need to do lockdowns for climate change, right? We can't can't do them for the pandemic because the climate change is a bigger health crisis. So we're going to have to start locking down for, for climate change now. And of course, the Paris Accords, right? Everybody knows the Paris Accords. Essentially, what the Paris Accords are that Joe got us back into, thank God, before it was too late, uh, he uh, he got us back into those. And um, well, essentially, we're only open ninety days a year. Yeah, we're, we're only open ninety days a year for uh, for the Paris Climate Accords. So I mean that that's what it's going to have to be. I, I've never bought into that. It was always a bunch of loons out there, you know, like we talk about Extinction Rebellion. When Marty comes on that group in the UK that's going there and glue themselves to like train cars or airlines or whatever it is, or they glue themselves to a to a car to make a statement, or they glue themselves to a hospital hospital floor, <laughs> you know, about the climate. It's like no, no one's getting on board with that. You're just a bunch of whacked out loons trying to stop people from going to work. So no one was getting on board with that. And so they had to switch it up. They had to change. They had to radically shift COVID, right? Enter COVID. So you cook up something that is essentially you weaponize the common cold, right? <laughs> if you want to look at it like that, you weaponize the common cold, you give it this awesome gain of function and props to Fauci for, <laughs> for you know, I mean, it is it is a thing of wonder that that thing can do. But you you take something like that and you give it this great gain of function. So it's very contagious. But yet you make it to a point where 80 percent of people or higher are asymptomatic from it. So what does this do? This creates a scenario that they tried to create under climate change right? Your carbon footprint, you were bad. Your carbon is bad. Your carbon output is bad. Well, they couldn't get enough people to get on board with that. They couldn't get enough whacked out loons. They couldn't get enough of the average person out there to do it. So they had to come up with something else. See, it's a religion to these people. So you've got to get everybody involved in it. You've got to get everybody on board to believe it. And if they don't believe it, then you shame them. What have they done with masks? Now they're going to do it with something else. Now they're going to do it with vaccines. It's just another tool of polarization. Go ahead, GP. Nice to see you, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, I've had my mind changed. Okay, tell us about it. I have been 
anti-government for about as long as I can remember. Uh, anti this government, that kind of things. And a professor was uh, talking last night and I decided to listen because I, I hate hippie garbage mumbo jumbo. But I listened. Be careful, GP. You're in California. I know. It's not the government that's really causing most of our problems. We have we do have a fascist government. We have a fascist system going on currently in the United States. And we, we will all accept that, that we are run by a regime, whether it's his point was we are actually run by corporations. And and he started naming points in the 91. They had actually passed laws to allow politicians to or politicians to effectively be bought by corporations. And it's legal. If you look it up, you can actually yes. they're not I've called bribes anymore. It's called freedom of speech. I've yes. talked about it before. So the Supreme Court corporations, yes, that corporations can freely give to political contributions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. I never agreed with that ruling. Yes, I don't I don't I don't agree with it either. So these these politicians are actually just puppets of corporations, billionaires, high-end millionaires, and they essentially rule how we live, eat, breathe, populate, go wherever we want our freedoms. They control our freedoms. I'm glad you're bringing all this up, GP, because you're just echoing on the rant that I was on for 30 minutes mm-hmm. about everything you're saying. <laughs> okay. The di- it's a very difficult situation to be in when, you know, I was always been just like government bad, government bad. But you know what the only separator is between a bad corporation and the people is? Tell us. An effective government. Are you saying we don't have an effective government, GP? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not good. Per, per- <laughs> Per California regulations, I'm not allowed to discuss this kind of matter. If you have any ideas or anything that those matters, nice disclaimer. Yeah, ni- nice disclaimer. <laughs> the uh, difficult. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible situation that I find that we're in. It's and I listen to him, and we are effectively big business has dictated our lives. We own nothing, and it's true. No, you know what? How many things do you think you own? Do you think you own your real estate? Do you think you own your property? Uh, not until I pay it off. No. No, no, pay it off. Stop paying property tax. What happens? Uh, y- yeah, you can't do that. I mean, we talked about property taxes on Friday. I yeah, it's I, it's a lease. It's a lease. Your property. It's a use tax. You're you're basically able to use that property. Yes. You don't under, like like I know yes. I I which is, know which goes so to the point. Bruce has said so many times about try and dig something underneath it. <laughs> right, which goes <laughs> to the point. Which goes yeah, which goes to the point. You're you're bring. It's a good point you bring up there. Which goes to the point that I was speaking on earlier about the Federal Reserve Bank. We didn't have a property tax in the U.S. until around, oh, gee, what year do you think? It was right around 1913, which just so happens to be the same year that the Federal Reserve Bank established their charter. So it's the same thing with the federal income tax. We didn't have a federal income tax until 1913. We didn't have these things until that organization decided to worm its way into the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing the the picture here is we're just all uh, I mean we are under the thumb of these uh, billionaires, multi, many of the billionaires. It's private and banks corporations. and it's corporations. Private, it's private banks, banks. And, yeah, private banks, private bank, exactly. And the only way between us and them is uh, government, and without a government, we uh, we're up to their whims. Because remember, remember back in the day, Rockefeller and and these uh, big greats. What they did to competition without government interference? Yep. As a matter of fact, it was John D. Rockefeller himself, not not David, his son that just passed, but uh, John D. Rockefeller, the old the old man who was involved in Standard mm-hmm. Oil. He famously said, and I'm quoting, "Competition is a sin." Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the situation that we're in, and I'm. It's a uh, so now I'm delving more into looking, understanding uh, 
what we can do through an ineffectual government to mitigate the damage that's being caused by the elite. Well, I think part of the things that um, that I think go unnoticed uh, from people is, is that we're sitting here and we're looking at, I mean, I, I've always been a live local person, but I think globally, right? I've always lived mm-hmm. locally, but I think globally. But in this case, I think people listen to the things that we talk about and they think, okay, well, we need to fight the system and we need to fight it from the top down. No, that's not how this works. In this case, you can't do that, right? You, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Those people at the top are too well insulated. Where you're going to hurt these people the most is at the local level, because you, you have to understand, they want to control absolutely every aspect of everything. And I mean, everything. If you take back your locale, whatever that is, mm-hmm. whether that's a, you know, at the local level, and I mean, all the way down to Chaz. Well, not I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm not talking about like, you know, an armed whatever autonomous mm-hmm. zone. No, I'm talking about getting involved in your politics at your local level, whether that's city council, yes. whether that's running for mayor, whether that's running for county, you know, county position or whatever. But getting involved in the local politics, right? Getting involved in lo- in the local branches of government. That's where we have the power. You better do it quick, too. Yeah, you because can do we're it fast. We're seeing legislation in places like Nevada that's being proposed that would allow companies to come in, buy up large swaths of land and basically regulate that land completely uh, basically it's like their own county and they would have complete control over it laws um schooling everything would be controlled there by the company you start doing that in states what what are you going to do then did i did you guys bring it up uh where bill gates was buying farmland I, I oh that. he's yes he's yeah we have uh, he's one of the largest owners of farmland right now yeah what corn Soy? Uh, he, he does have a, well, he uh, corn, corn, soy, wheat, uh, potatoes, those things. He does have deals with uh, GMO food companies such as Monsanto. Monsanto, yeah. Yeah. And so he's going to be one of these guys that is just, you're going to buy your food from him. And then when you get sick from eating your GMO food, then Shut up. He's got all GMO foods bad. Not he's all GMO a, foods are bad. So, so he's got the a thing vaccine better for you than the original plant. I have a question for all you intelligent men. What is the only food that we our bodies won't digest? GP. <laughs> well, it depends. Def, define digest. Um, well, we we, corn, we can digest corn, pretty right? much anything. So we as humans can't digest corn. We it just passes right through us. There's no special property. It's a filler. But mm-hmm. what do we put in all of our food and all of our corn syrup and everything we put corn into it? Now, what do you think that's going to do in the long term? We're going to be eating a cow that's force-fed corn that we can't process. Now that's in their fat. So. Go ahead, GP. You're way smarter we than me. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> we can actually digest corn. What we need is an alkaline or an acid to be consumed at the same times that you're consuming the corn. What act, well, it's, it's actually beforehand. It's during prep. But you could prep corn by taking ash. Like this is how the native population here in America, the First Nations, were able to digest corn. Corn was a staple of many of the tribe's diets. It wasn't just eating buffalo meat and all those things. Corn was a staple. And how what they did was they'd actually... They would make a maize, you know, they would grind it all together, but they would add ash to it and they would be able to be digested. We would be able to get the nutrients. It would break those bonds in order to get the nutrition out. So, yes, technically we cannot digest corn, but through just natural outside influences, we can break down those processes to get the nutrients. So a chemical process, but how many people yes. actually do that? 
and then we shove it into i mean we got diabetic it's America. pre-done it, a lot of it's pre-done already before we even get it so it's, okay. it's already been like especially this a lot of some of this gmo corns have actually broken down uh parts of the system of the corn so we're actually able to digest some of it but it's not to the level that we would say this is a nutritious food <laughs> we're not there yet yeah yet as natural as possible that's what that's what i yeah. try to say well, some things aren't natural. Have you ever seen what broccoli looks like naturally? It looks like a weed. Most, yeah, I know we're going to go into GMO. I'm pro GMO. If Here's, you didn't know, yeah, he's I am pro GMO. Super he'll, GMO. He'll get into broccoli <laughs> and bananas and all the rest. Is of it. it bananas? Exactly. Banana, you know, today does not look like a banana originally. You can actually eat a banana, original banana. You couldn't. It's just all seeds. It's it's disturbing. But yeah, I believe that the evolution of of man. And the evolution of food. Without the evolution of food, we would not evolve as a society. We have to do that. We have to make food far more nutritious to get our population to that point where we're, I don't know, some utopia that coyote cabbage, happen. GP, coyote cabbage, <laughs> coyote cabbage, coyote cabbage. Yes, coyote cabbage. I, I grew up old school uh, watching my grandmother who was Polish, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, cześć, dobry wieczór. Beats, beat, you know, uh, pickle things for the winter and, and just that uh, a lost art because I'm not a GMO guy. I like I don't I don't know enough science behind it. I haven't really researched it, uh, but I know enough that I've I'm just not a fan. of it. If I can't as as natural as I can get it is always best for me. But I mean, it, that's also tough trying to maintain that. So we're allowed to hunt, hunt and fish. Have fish. Great. Yeah, in fact, uh, depending upon one of my trips here, this trip here I got coming up, I might uh, be able to get some fishing up done in the Sierras. A little trout fishing. <laughs> Before we get too deep into um, into GMO foods, GMO. I mean, honestly, we did a GMO podcast a while back. We were talking about things, and that's why I said coyote cabbage because mm-hmm. I've always made the arguments. And uh, look, with people that we have with these Doctor Moreau types and these mm-hmm. these. People like Gates that are up there just modifying, modifying, modifying the amount of modifications that are in these people's brains to go to, to, you know, as far as they want to go with it. The sky's the limit. So I'm sorry. These people are not God. I agree with the natural evolution of food in nature when nature allows it to happen, but not when we force it. Not when we force it. I don't want to see corn growing off of an oak tree, GP. And, and I, I've made the other extreme point. I've made the other extreme point. I, I don't want to see a steak tree, okay? I, I don't want to see that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. No, I've made the other point, And this is why I said coyote cabbage. I don't want to grow cabbage in my garden. And then when I go to try and harvest it, the thing tries to bite me. Okay, I, I don't want I don't want that to happen. Right. And you're laughing. Right. I, the listeners are probably laughing. But the amount of modifications that we're talking about here. OK, yeah, that is quite extensive. But that's what these people think. Right. That's the level that these people are on. That's the kind of stuff they want to go towards. They don't is, want to kill that. their workers. So what's what's the deal with 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 seeds that, you know, you buy at Home Depot or wherever and you plant them and you can't reuse those seeds. You have to each year go out. Terminators. Seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with that? Why do that? Uh, that's called capitalism. Well, yeah, it keeps it keeps <laughs> that's you. Capitalism. Well, yeah, but it keeps. Well, it keeps. Oh, they it's are, GMO. Oh, they it's are GMO. GMO. They are yes, GMO. Exactly. But it's it's GMO because it keeps you going back to them. See, if, there, there's mm-hmm. no there's no profit in selling you something that continues to reproduce that you can carry mm-hmm. over for the next year. So that's why I don't. That's that's for me. Like I, I'm a fungi guy, uh, and I love to forage as well. So during the during the spring, uh, summer, and fall, I'm out there. Looking for hen of the woods, chicken of the woods, mm-hmm. turkey, chara, make my own uh, chaga tea, which has is like a blueberry on steroids. So, yeah, I'm kind of yeah. one of those 
natural type of guys. I try to keep it that way. That's fantastic. We need more people like you. Yeah, we do. Because it's going to be a tradition that's going to be lost in a, in a very short period of time. Yeah. We need those. We need the ones that are out there foraging and do that to teach future, future generations that this is a possibility. Because just in case of, a, say, a, a, a deliberate accidental release of a killer virus gets out there, wipes out a good portion of the population, and we are left because of production. Food production requires bodies. And if we if our food production is interrupted, foraging will become a, a skill, a viable skill. Yeah. And if we don't have the people that can teach the future generations that, that'll be lost, and we will lose. We will literally have children starving in America. Yeah, I had I read a great book, Braiding Sweetgrass, and it was an indigenous botanist and uh, mm-hmm. microbiologist. She was just amazing, but she was able to bring the indigenous side and sing the song of different plants and species to actually get the Mm-hmm. The well-heartedness of of how they used to do things and how they would, you know, get maple syrup and make sugar corn. They didn't have a ton of wood to burn all of that, so they would freeze it during the winter. It's just really cool. Because you're absolutely right; those are, are, are lost arts, and they're going away because they want us to be mm-hmm. more dependent on whatever they can give us. We'll take care of you. I'm sure you will. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to have that. Uh, can't wait to have that insect butter and. Uh... Uh, we haven't talked okay, about it. Okay, don't knock it. Don't knock it till you try it. We haven't talked about it. Okay, GP, I know you spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. <laughs> I'll say don't knock it till you try it, man. Yeah. The only thing I All can't right. do is shrimp paste. It's the only, it's the only thing I can't eat. All right. I just... Unfortunately, we're going to have to end it there. We're out of time. Uh, but it's a shame because uh, Mike, GP, the two of you, you guys have never actually met before. But um, yeah, GP, you walking in here in the last couple of minutes. But yeah, that's uh, I honestly, awesome. I have a, I have a funny feeling that the two of you will have a lot in common when you start talking about viruses and bacteria and all the rest of it so <laughs> I, I love uh, listening to gp uh because you, you oh dear gosh yeah no. <laughs> and you're a smart dude so the more i learn the less i realize i know and yeah. i can tell you that is an absolute truth yeah absolutely there's so much uh, you don't know also that, that you're on this podcast challenging uh what everybody else is saying and you're in that industry so i like that i can, I can definitely thank you thank you yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're um, very few. I tell you what, we will. Um, the next no, there's time, there's many, uh, just nobody wants to stand up. The uh, the next time that uh, the next time we have you on, Mike, we'll make sure that uh, the GP's on, and then uh, we'll let the two of you go, uh, and we'll, we'll yeah, talk, we we'll could go. we could do we'll some out, we could do some outback, and out, yeah, uh, what? I, I we probably have a few things in similar process, except I get hotels every every week. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you won't be able to, GP. COVID. Yeah. COVID's going to keep you out of the hotels. Yeah, especially out there on the West Coast. I'm surprised you're allowed to do anything. We're not allowed to do anything. Many of no. us are just doing no, it. No, he's not. We're, just, not. we're just doing it. 30 you know, years, 4,500 4, of us. 4,500 of us are doing it. Yeah, that's all the over that's a three month period of time. That's true because that's actually all that's left in California and Los Angeles is forty five hundred people. So <laughs> no, <laughs> all moved to my state. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Uh, we are out of time today, gentlemen. I do apologize uh, because I would like to keep going, but uh, we we just don't have the time today. But we will pick this up at another date down the road because that's going to be an interesting conversation. But um, we would normally plug our socials. Supposedly, Parlor is due back up today. Haven't seen it yet, but uh, supposedly it's going to come back up today. Let's Let's hope. Let's hope. So uh, Mr. Bongino came out and made a statement the other day and said that Parlor will be back up on Monday. So let's uh, let's wait and see. If it does come back up, then you can follow me over there. You can follow me at Jay Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster if it comes back up. Also, we are promoting our Telegram channel. Uh, we do have a public channel over there. We would highly recommend all of you jump on there because we know that podcasting censorship is coming and that's going to be our fallback point. 
if and when that does happen. Subscribe to us over on Telegram. If you're on Telegram, if you haven't, then you're really wasting time because that app is under fire in both Google and Apple app stores. So get over to Telegram, get yourself registered, search for us when you get over there, just search for Dynamic Independence, we'll pop right up. You can click join. And not only will you get all of our podcasts that we normally put out, you'll also get one of our exclusive podcasts that we put out every week. And you'll get a different point of view that uh, you wouldn't normally get on here. You'll hear Bruce's expanded vocabulary and Marty's expanded vocabulary and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, do give us a uh, do give us a follow over on uh, Parlor and also on Telegram. Also, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, gentlemen. Mike, thank you for being here today. Appreciate that. Happy to have your point of view. And um, next time, we'll make sure that uh, the GP's here and uh, you, you two can uh, go back and forth about your various viruses and bacteria and all the things you guys know all that stuff about. I mean, the stuff that none of us know anything about. It'd be great to hear that conversation, but it was nice having you back on. Thank you for having me. And I, I look forward to it. Absolutely. Bruce, thanks for being here tonight. GP, thanks for stopping in here the last few minutes. Thank you to all the listeners. That'll do it for today. And we will see you guys tomorrow.